So if you would, um, if you would like to, no one's, no one's forcing, um, there are pew Bibles. There's Bibles in the back of the pews. Go ahead and get one of those. We're going to kind of look in and around there. Uh, and I'm actually going to open up with a story from the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. I believe it is page, is the page number 860 maybe? Page 860? Yeah. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. Now, you don't have to use the Pew Bible. If you've got one of your own, you get extra marks, extra credit for you. Good. And everyone loves, you know, those, those type of students. Uh, but if you also have a phone, you can look at it on your phone. You've got a Bible app. Don't look at anything else. We will watch. We will find you. And let you know, no, I'm just kidding. We don't have that kind of power. But, uh, but anyways, that's where it's at. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. So I'm going to open up with this story in our series. We're in a series, Who Do You Say I Am? Uh, that we who profess a faith in Jesus Christ, we ask Jesus, who do you now say I am as a faithful believer of, of Christ? And we've, we've gone through uh, several of these. And so I'm going to look at Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10 to kind of open up our conversation this morning. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, I can't read it without getting uh, goosebumps, but hopefully you guys as well. And if not, that's okay. Chapter 37, it's called The Valley of Dry Bones. You may have heard this before. You may have even sung the song. The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very, very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Pause here. This is not Ezekiel being cheeky with God. He is just basically saying, I don't know the answer to that. You know the answer to that. And I'm here for whatever is about to happen. O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am Lord." So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. So then God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Can you see the scene? I know I can. Anytime I read this, I, I can just, I get transported there. I get trans, the way I imagine it is that Ezekiel's on a cliff and he's looking out at this valley and in this valley is all of these dry bones. You know what it's like? It's like the Lion King. It's like, you know, when Scar takes over and you just look out, if you've ever seen that movie, and then you look out and it's just this dry and gross and disgust. That's what I'm seeing in Ezekiel's eye. Just a valley of, of dry, picked over bones, and they're scattered. I can feel the wind swirling around. 
I can feel the dust on my face. I can hear the word of the Lord bellowing out into this valley. And can you not see and hear them all come snapping together into this, this group of folks now with bone to bone and muscle and everyone's together. It's an amazing story. And then when he says, oh, breath, come the four winds, that means from every direction comes God's breath into this army and they come to life. And it's such an empowering story. First and foremost, the, the Ezekiel narrative that I just read is about the restoration of Israel. Case in point, just that's where that's at. And it's about Israel, who you remember, if you remember from our preaching through the scriptures, they were scattered, there was two kingdoms, bad things happened, and then God started sending out prophets to be like, hey, 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 listen, I'm still your God, I am still in the midst of this, and I will bring you all together and reinstate you, you will know that I am your God, you will hear me when I call. And that's exactly what he is doing with Ezekiel. He's telling Ezekiel, go out and call out to these people, thus says the Lord, I will call you to come together and you will have life. What does this have to do with who do you say I am? We're in a worship sermon series. Who do you say I am? And we're basing it off of the conversation, you've heard this before, where the, Jesus has said to the apostles, who do you say I am? And the apostles get it wrong. And then Peter kind of rises up and he gets it and he says, you are the Christ. And then we now with this sermon series thought, okay, if we like Peter have said, you are the Christ. Let's ask the Lord, who do you say we are? And this is not to be the great I am. This is to ask God so that we know what it means to follow him. Now look at this list that we have here. This is what we have covered by so far. We have covered that we have been known before creation, that you are created and fallen, that you're redeemed by the shed blood of Christ, the new creation, and a new child of God. And if you see this list here, the first two, I would say, and make a, a, um, a statement here, that those first two are true of everybody, whether you believe or not. Correct? True of everyone, that God knows everybody, whether you believe or not, before he even created them. And that God created everybody, and that everybody, whether they believe in the Lord or not, have fallen and fall short of the glory of the Lord. Those two identifying factors, they're the same as everything. That means that us Christ believers, we're in the same camp from the beginning with everyone who believes and who doesn't. But then we say, oh, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are my Lord and Savior. And then came these, that you were redeemed by the bloodshed of Christ, that you're a new creation, and that you are a child of God. How is it? Did we, how do we get these now? And it comes from what we're going to look at today, being called. Remember when Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, Jesus then says to him in reply, flesh and bone did not reveal this to you. That means Peter, as smart as you are, as awesome as you think you are, as head of the class as you've put yourself, as everything that you have done, you did not say this because you are intelligent. 
You did not say this because you thought it all on your own. And you did not say this because you have put together the pieces and thought, hey, this is it. No, Jesus says, flesh and bone didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And that's where I look at today. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. The thing that we're going to learn about today is that we are all of these things, but in order to understand all of these things, how all these things came possible, is you were called. You are called. Just like Ezekiel calls out over these dry, scattered bones, which is a lot like us when we, were, when we fell from grace. We are, a lot, we are those bones. We are scattered. We are dry. We are picked over. And when we heard the call of the Lord, when we heard those words on our life, it snapped us together and we received the life of the Lord. And when you look at the word called, because the word called is all through the New Testament. Uh, Paul uses it a lot. And in fact, we're going to look at some of Paul's stuff in Romans and Ephesians. What it means to be called in the New Testament means to be divinely summoned. I love that. I don't think I ever read that before. I'm trying to think if I have or not. It felt like a new idea. So that's either a testament of how I study or not. But you are a divine summoned one. And that word summons. Have any of you ever been summoned? How many of you have ever been to jury duty? Raise your hand. How many jury duty folks? Right? You get something in the mail that summons you to appear before what? The court, right? And then if you get selected, you're selected for a jury to judge somebody else for what they have done. And if you don't do that, there are consequences for it, right? There is an authority from the court that says you, Stella, because I'm looking at you, need to come here and appear before me, right? Let's do it a better example. You saw my children. All three of them are out here, right? Their job in life, I am convinced, is to make a mess in every room possible. And to try to clean up after them is futile. You can't do that. Because once you clean up one room, there's another mess everywhere else. I've heard myself say, you cannot have toys in the toy room. And I'm thinking, wait, yes, they can. But it's just because I didn't want the bedroom toys down into the, whatever. So when I go into a room and I see the mess, what do I, the parent, do? Caleb, Clara, come here. Is that not a summons? And am I not an authoritative person in that household? As my dad used to say, I'm not just the biggest person here, right? As I'm not an authoritative person in this household, I call their name, and what are they supposed to do? They are supposed to come and appear before me like little angels. And there they are, and I say to them, clean up your mess. You, and what we're going to learn today, you have been divinely summoned by our Father in heaven. And instead of appearing before the court, you appear before him, and he judges you for it, and he absolves you clean. And instead of coming to a room to clean up your mess, he comes, he asks you to come, he summons you to come to his upper room, and he cleans up the mess. Nevertheless, the authoritative God of the universe, God of creation, calls you and beckons you to come, summons you to come. And just like Peter who said, you are the Christ, this happens according to God and his 
plan, and purpose. So let's dive into this. What does it mean to be called? Because my friends, we have to understand this part of what it means to be a Christ follower. A lot of people don't want to use the word called, and if they do, they attribute it to like pastors, or they attribute it to jobs that no one wants. Oh, you have a calling, right? You know, that's like people who go teach in the inner city schools. Oh, you have a calling. Or if you're a nurse or a doctor in the pandemic, you have a calling. It's usually for something that you don't want to do. But if you believe in Jesus and are saved, if you say, yes, I, I, hallelujah, love Jesus, you are called and you have a calling. All of us do. So, so what does this mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to be called? What is the call? Let's go to the book of Romans, if you don't mind. And I believe it's page 11, something or other. It's up there. We're going to look at verse 28. And Apostle Paul really kind of dives into this, this terminology of called, and then it kind of explains it. And I want to go here because I think it explains very perfectly what is the process in being called and what, what, what has happened in God summoning me to do that. The first service, I kept doing this. I kept reaching out with like a claw because that's what <laughs> I imagine called to be, that the Lord grips, grips a hold of me and, and brings my heart to him. So the Apostle Paul says this, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Let me stop here for just a second. That does not mean that if you love God, everything is going to be hunky-dory. As I look out into the, the sanctuary here, I know pretty much everyone in here, I know that you know that. But if you ever share that with somebody else, make sure they understand this is not prosperity gospel. What this is saying is that we know that for those who love God, they have the eyes, they have the ears, they have the heart to understand that be it a joy or be it a sorrow, be it a struggle or be it a high praise, God's going to work all that together for his good. And that's basically what Paul says, for those who are called according to his purpose. And those who are called, he foreknew. And those he foreknew were then justified, and those who were justified were then glorified, okay? Do you get that? I just went through verse 28 and verse 29 in Romans. So what is it? Well, the first thing, we are called according to his purpose. That goes back to what I said about Peter. You were saved not because you did anything or that you thought that this was a great idea. You were saved and called one of his own because of what God has done in his sovereign will. That according to his purpose does not mean that God has a plan and purpose for your life. That according to his purpose means according to his sovereign will. I've often said that when I came to know Jesus, it was, I was too stupid to understand that. It was because the Lord had been working on my life since elementary school on up. And it wasn't until he grabbed a hold of my heart that I, I got it. But that wasn't something that I did. That was something according to his purpose. And that's all over Scripture. He chose you according to his purpose. He chose Jacob over Esau according to his purpose. He foreknew you before the creation of the world according to his purpose. He created the world according to his purpose and by his sovereign will. This is all by his hand. So it goes to show 
That if we profess a faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that is because he has called you into that relationship. And he has called you into that relationship not to just stop there and be like, look at me, I'm saved. He has called you into this relationship, into this status for his plan and purpose. What is the plan and purpose of God in this world? It is so that he would be glorified, he would be known by everyone, and redeem and save the lost. And so it goes on here in chapter 8, verse 29, those he foreknew, he predestined, and this is what I would say the reason why, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, his son, might be the firstborn among many brothers. We've been called into this relationship by his will and by his design. And not only called into his relationship, he's working on us to make us look each and every day as we journey into this calling, into this summons, to look like his son Jesus. Because his plan and purpose is for the world to know who he is. So therefore, he sends his called out to be agents of that grace. He sends his called out to be conduits of that grace. He sends his called out to be ambassadors of that grace. I have just gone through scripture after scripture of what it means to be called. Ambassadors, conduits, all of those things. So that people will also hear who Jesus is. So many of us, we get to the salvation part. I don't know if this is you, but you get to the salvation part and it's a full stop. It's another title to add to the list of titles. Last week, Jerry gave a list of titles of what we all are and said the child of God is like the best one. And sometimes I think that we just stop there. Oh, we're saved. But salvation is not necessarily just a status. Salvation, what we learn today, is a calling. It is a summons from the divine to come into that relationship, but then also to live that out. Which brings me to my second point. You have been divinely summoned to live a life worthy of that call. That comes from the book of Ephesians. Again, Paul talking this out as he's writing to churches. And understand that he's writing to churches because these are a community of people that need to reflect Jesus to the lost. And if they don't get it, both individually and corporately, no one's going to get it. No one's going to see that. It's got to come from from all of us living into the life that he has called us to live into as summoned ones, as saved ones. And so he says to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I urge you to live out your everyday lives. Not only live it out, but that term to walk has some legal ramifications. To actually have your life's law B, to live out the things that are worthy of the call in which you have received. Do you get that? Paul is saying to believers, it is more than just being saved. 
you now, being conformed into the image of Jesus, need to go and live that out so that others will hear the same call. If you think about how you became a Christian, how you heard the call of the Lord, most often it has either come from the scriptures themselves, you're reading it, or somebody brought you to Jesus. Live a life worthy of the calling in which you're to be called. And he goes on, and he explains what that is. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, with bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Not only are you to live this life worthy of your calling, but this is what's going to unite all of my believers together because there is only one God. And so that means that everyone has this one call that is seated in the hope of Jesus Christ. So therefore, go and live that with all patience, with all humility, with all gentleness, with all joy and compassion. Let's make it real world, shall we? What if we were to think of our everyday lives, not just coming to church lives, but our everyday lives with this in mind, that we are to walk every day in our lives in a manner worthy with it in our minds of what it means to be called a follower, a believer, Jesus' own child of God. What if that showed up in the carpool lane when we were picking up our kids? How would that look? How would that look in our businesses? How would that look when we're just hanging out with friends? How would that look when we're parenting our children? How would that look when we're loving our spouse? How would that look? If you're like me, you probably don't think about it. Ashamedly so, I don't. It's not at the forefront. It is now because I'm preaching on it, but it's not at the forefront in my everyday life, right? And yet, this is what Jesus is saying. Because if you don't do that, we're just a valley of dry bones. And not only a valley of dry bones, we, we've, we've heard the call of Jesus. We've snapped together bone on bone, flesh on it, everything, but there's no breath in us. There's no life in us. And if there's no life in us, we can't even stand a mighty army. The problems that the church faces in America is because a lot of us fail to understand that we are called, that we are divinely summoned, and that having a calling doesn't mean you work at a church. It means that wherever you are, Wherever you go, God has placed you there to be the best agent of Jesus for that group of people, whether you realize it or not. I have to believe that. I have to believe that we're born in this time period, in this context right now, in the middle of a pandemic, young and old, because God is equipping us, conforming us to look like his son for this age so that people can see and know him. That means you have been given talents and gifts and power, which is next week. I won't get there. That's next week. But you've been given all of these things to share Jesus to the world. Therefore, live a manner worthy of the calling in which you were called. There's a parable in the Gospel of Luke, and I'll end with this. There's a parable in the Gospel of Luke called The Great Banquet. 
I've never heard that before. Basically, there's a party. The party that's about to happen. It's Luke chapter 14. The party is about to happen. So the master issued out invitations to people and got everything ready. Banquet table's ready. Just picture the best banquet table that you can picture with your favorite foods on it. I mean, opulence. I mean, this is just going to be a wonderful, wonderful party. And so the master says to the servant, go out to the people who I sent invitations to because no one RSVPs anymore. Go out to the invitations and say to them, hey, come, come, let's go. All is ready. Let's have fun. So the servant goes out and he goes to the invited. Please don't miss that. He goes to the invited. Past tense. They received the invitation. Don't tell me you didn't get it. Goes to the invited says, come on, it's time to go. And they're like, oh, yeah. So I've got to work, bought some ox, some oxen. I mean, who buys oxen, right? Bought oxen and need to break them in. I just got married. I want to do my married things. You know, don't have time for any of that. You know, they have all these excuses to say, that party sounds great, but what I'm doing here sounds even better. I don't need it. So the servant goes back to the master and says, hey, he ain't coming. And the master says to the servant, okay, okay, go out and find the poor, the blind, the lame, the crippled. Find anybody who will listen. Find the least of these, basically, who have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Find them and issue this same call, the same invitation to them, and bring them here. And lo and behold, they come. And then as they fill the table up, the master says, go out and get more. Get more of these types of people. Bring them here and make sure you tell the invited They will not sit at this table. How many of us, myself included, live our lives with the invitation but never go to the party? Not answering the call and failing to live a life worthy of the call, I feel are the same thing. It has us miss out on the party. It has us miss out on the banquet of possibilities of what God can do in and through us when we live a life worthy of the call in which we've been called, when we live a life worthy of the summons in which you've been divinely summoned. This is so important for us to grab a hold of because the age in which we are living needs to hear the call of the Lord. And another age that's going to come after us is going to have the same, if not more, issues. It's just going to keep on keeping on until one day God puts it all back together, right? But for right now, what he is saying is, I have made you an exceedingly great army. You have received the breath of life as you profess Jesus Christ as Lord. Because you profess Jesus Christ as Lord, not on your own power, but of my power. Therefore, I dwell inside you. My spirit dwells inside you. You have a heart inside you that is new, that has my laws written on it. Go, go out there and call out to the four winds, everyone else, so that they too can join this army, because failing to do so makes you just a sack of dry bones in a valley, worthless. Let us be a church, let us be a people who live faithfully into that call, who understand that it's not just for the clergy and professional ministers, and it's a job that I'm sure no one wants, and yet we're all called to it by his purpose and design 
to live a life worthy of that call and to bring others into this army, into this fold, so that they too know who Jesus is. May your hearts break for the lost. May you see wherever you go that God has sent you there and has gifted you with the very things needed to share Jesus with them. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your amazing blessings. I thank you for this truth, a simple truth for sure, but a truth nonetheless that we wrestle with because we get so wrapped up in our iniquities. We get so wrapped up in our shortcomings. We get so wrapped up in our lack of education, our lack of knowledge of scriptures, and we forget that at the very, very, very core of our salvation, you've called us by name in a very simple way and powerful way, and your spirit works inside of us. And so just sharing our joy can be enough because of what you can do with that. So let us be living testimonies of called people, of divinely summoned people who have appeared before you and are ready for instructions. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. For my Savior loves me so he will hold me fast. When I fear, my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. Beloved, you have been divinely summoned. You have been served, as it were, and have been called to appear. And so therefore, go and live a life worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Have your eyes be open to see what Christ can do in and through you for his kingdom, a powerful and exceeding mighty army. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful weekend.